On April 4, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King was shot and killed in Memphis. A petty criminal named James Earl Ray was arrested. Case closed, right? James Earl Ray was a pawn for the official story. Some of the evidence, as far as I was concerned, did not match the circumstances. This is the MLK Tapes. The first episodes are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hello. Hello, dear radio rental fan. Welcome. I, um, <clears throat> I have some very sad news for you. Our beloved Malachi, house cat here at Radio Rental, passed away a few days ago. I know. I'm, I'm very upset, too. I, I don't know how it happened. One morning he was just lying here, cold. I tried squirrel noises, smelling salts, opened tuna cans, everything, but he wouldn't stir. So I buried him in a small makeshift cemetery I found a mile into the woods, behind the store. It was a very tasteful ceremony, I assure you. I said a little prayer, and then I took some of his precious pumpkin spice latte and poured one out for him in tribute. <sighs> well, I'm sorry that you couldn't be there anyway. I know that today it will be hard to focus on the stories with the... Bo- uh, sorry. As I was saying, I know that it will be hard to focus on today's story... Must be my Roomba. Uh, let me try that again. Did, did, did you hear that? What could that possibly be? Oh! Oh my God, Malachi, is that you? Oh! Malachi, Malachi, I'm so glad you're back. I mean, scientifically, I don't understand how it's possible, but I'll, but I'll take it. Beggars can't be choosers, right, pal? Oh, Dear listener, I'm so sorry. Uh, Why don't I pop in a new tape for you while Malachi and I reunite? Oh, that's... Okay, that's... That sounded weird, but okay. Here we go, little buddy. Okay, um, next tape. Everyone ready? Here we go. I live in a town called Alito, A-L-E-D-O, It's about 15 minutes outside of Fort Worth. They have this awesome football team that's won state championship for years and years. It's just like this wholesome, down-to-earth, your typical Texas small town. We moved out there in 2004 to raise our kids. We have four kids. The day this happened, I was walking a lot during that time. I was doing this route in my neighborhood. It was about three to five miles, and it was near my son's elementary school. And I had taken him to school, and I was coming back on the highway, and I thought, you know, I really want to seek a new route because I would drive these different routes through these neighborhoods. I turned down this one road that I had never been down before, and I thought it was connected to the neighborhood right next to my son's school. And then I quickly realized that it wasn't connected to that neighborhood next to it. Went down this long lane, it kind of came to a fork in the road, and I went to the right, and it took me to a cul-de-sac, and I pulled into the cul-de-sac, and I see this small blue compact car, like bright blue, and there's a man sitting in it. He had his hands up next to the steering wheel, holding a newspaper. 
and he didn't move his hands. They stayed there the whole time I was driving by. And I'm staring at him as I'm driving around the little cul-de-sac. I tried not to take my eyes off of him because it was so weird. And I'm driving around, and he never looks up. He was did not move. He just kept his arms up. And it really looked to me like he was pretending to read a newspaper. In our town, everybody waves to everybody, and everybody's friendly. That was the first red flag. He's sitting there reading a paper, and I know that's not a crime to sit in your car and read a paper, and didn't look at me. And it was a real quiet, tucked away, hidden cul-de-sac. Just struck me as really odd. He had on this fake-looking mustache, and he had on thick black glasses. His disguise was bad. It was really bad. It was obvious that it was a fake. It was obviously so creepy looking. It was, he had this disguise on and he has a mustache and these real thick glasses. He had a beard on, which was also a really horrible fake beard. It was very obvious. It was just like, it did not look right at all. Why is this guy wearing a disguise and sitting in the car reading the paper in this quiet little cul-de-sac there's no other cars. There's no traffic that goes in and out of there. His behavior was very odd. My brain was trying to figure out what's going on here. I knew he was out of place, and I got the biggest chill. This neighborhood was a little bit set back. It was a little bit isolated and out of the way, not somewhere that you would just sit in your car and read a newspaper in a disguise. It just wasn't right in my mind. And so I kind of went around and I thought, that's really weird. And I went on about my way and I went back home, found a route, went on my walk. And it was probably about 45 minutes to an hour walk. And as I'm finishing my walk, I see this giant black plume of smoke coming up over the treetops. It was enough to where you could see it. It was real big, real big and dark. Around where we live, a lot of people burn brush. And this was not brush. It was, that's usually a white smoke. This was black and thick. And it went way over the trees and way over the houses. And I thought, well, that's weird, because we don't really see that. You don't see that very often where we are. And it was in the same area that I had been in earlier that morning, like an hour and a half or so before. I just saw that guy, and that's kind of in the vicinity where I was. And I, so I got back home, and I, I had to go into Fort Worth and run some errands. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna drive down that way and see where that fire is. When I was driving, down that highway and looked to the left at Highland Drive, I could see all of the emergency vehicles. And I just kept going. And I have a friend whose husband, he was at that time the Alito fire chief. So I texted her and said, hey, I just saw something really strange this morning. And then there's a fire. 
right where I, on the same street where I saw it. And I said, can you ask Scott if I need to tell anyone? And her husband told me to contact the Weatherford fire chief and his name was Lanny Paget. And here's his contact information. And so I set up a time and I went to the Weatherford Fire Department office in Weatherford, which is further west of Alito. He met me and he took a statement and I told him the blue car, the man in the disguise, how creepy it was, and then I noticed there was a fire right after. And he said, you know, he goes, yeah, it's, we're pretty sure it's arson. He said, the owner of that house at the time was out of town on business. There was a robbery. So I think some jewelry was taken. And I, I, for some reason, I felt like maybe they were suspecting the homeowners because it was a little suspicious how she was out of town on business. I think the fire was started by gasoline. We're still trying to figure it all out, but thank you for your information or whatever. And then I went on my way and I never really thought about it again. And I never heard back from anybody. I, I didn't really know. I went to a dinner party one time and they said, what's something weird or unusual that's happened to you? And I told this story, but it was like, it was just some random guy hanging out and then there was a fire after that was probably an arson. And I didn't think about it after that. I just thought, well, that was really weird. And I hope they catch the guy because I was sure he had, I was sure he had been the one to start that fire. It was just too weird. Several months later, I think it was in January, I picked up the paper and I read this article in there. It said he was in the Fort Worth area. He needed money and he wanted to find a town that was off the main interstate set back a little bit and he wanted to rob a bank and he wanted a town that did not have a big police force or you know a lot of law enforcement around which we don't he had chickened out of robbing the bank in Alito. he kept going across interstate 20 and if you take that road way back there's another little town called azel he ended up robbing a bank in Azel and he had the disguise on. And that's when I knew. It just kind of all came together because it gave the address. He had the mustache that he had on that I saw him in. He had on sunglasses instead of the thick black rimmed glasses. He has a unique look. He had been arrested in March after the fire that I had seen. When I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, that was the guy because it was that day and, and it talked about how he started his rampage, killed a woman in Anchorage, Alaska, and then he set across the country and he got arrested in Lufkin, Texas. He had stolen a car and he had stolen a bank card. And then he confessed to murdering 11 people. And the thing is, is that when I saw him sitting in that car at that moment, I just had this feeling come over me of like, just like the hair on the back of my neck stood up. 
I was just like, oh my gosh, I came this close to Israel Keys. I still get chills when I think about that. He is a serial killer who has murdered 11 people that I know of. And he passed through my town that I live in, in the middle of it all. And this was, I believe this was just one month after his first murder. I was just so grateful that I was able to drive away from there, was able to leave. <laughs> that anybody, anywhere can be anything or anybody. Well, that was strange and kind of pathetic. A wig, a fake mustache, black glasses, or just begging to be noticed on a cul-de-sac, simply dress as an Amazon driver in the future. Israel, if you're listening, I doubt you are. You're probably in prison. Here's a fun fact. Scramble and then reform the letters to Israel Keys, and you get why I rake less. Hmm. Now, not to make you more unsettled, but truth be told, Malachi is acting a little bit off. Well, I'm sure he's always been a little bit off, but this is new. He keeps gnawing at my pinky, and he, he can't stand the word artichoke. Malachi, Malachi, calm down. Please, everything's okay. Nothing is going to hurt you now, all right? Well, this seems like a good time for some ads. Despite what you might believe, your weight is not your fault, even if you've been trying to lose weight for years. Meet Calibrate, the science-backed program that proves sustainable weight loss does not come from yo-yo dieting, calorie counting, or willpower. It's all about biology. The Calibrate program works differently by addressing metabolic factors with FDA-approved doctor-prescribed medications and one-on-one face-to-face coaching for food, exercise, sleep, and emotional health. Real support, not chatbots. We partner with you to help you take control of your weight and your health with tiny tweaks that lead to real results. In fact, our earliest Calibrate members lost 14% of their body weight on average. Fight biology with biology. Get $50 off Calibrate's one-year metabolic reset when you use code SAVE50 at joincalibrate.com. Visit joincalibrate.com to see if you're eligible and use code SAVE50. The new year feels like the perfect time to refocus on what we want in life, but it's easy to get stuck looking back on all the resolutions we didn't keep last year. This year, don't make mental health a goal. Make it a part of your daily routine with Talkspace. Whether you deal with anxiety, depression, self-doubt, or anything else, Talkspace matches you with a licensed therapist who can give you support whenever you need it. With Talkspace, you can communicate with a licensed therapist that matches your needs to help you feel less overwhelmed and more in control. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists across dozens of specialties, and unlike traditional therapy, Talkspace fits your schedule, not the other way around. With live chat, video, and audio sessions, you can easily fit mental health care into your daily routine. Match with the licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code C13. That's $100 off when you use code C13 at Talkspace.com. I was 
seven or eight years old. My brother's about three years older than me. Our mom was taking us up to the upstairs bathroom to brush our teeth and get ready for bed. And back then, my dad, he worked construction. He would be working on big projects, like building bridges and stuff, so he would be out of town for weeks at a time. So that night, it was just us three. And uh, my room is right across from the, the bathroom, but I was never the one that would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. It was always my brother or my, my mom that would wake up, and they would always keep the door open. They would always you know, flush or you know, make a lot of noise and wake me up. After we had got done brushing our teeth and we were going back down the hallway to go to our beds, my brother just kind of stopped in the middle of the hallway. He turned back and he said, wait a second, let, let me go use the bathroom really quick. And he started walking back down the hallway and I was just stood in my uh, doorway. He was walking past me. It was kind of like he wasn't really saying it to me. He was just kind of like, kind of thinking out aloud. And he, was, he said, past few nights I've been too scared. I keep feeling like I'm seeing some man at the end of the hallway wearing stripes. It was almost like he wasn't really, he wasn't telling me directly. It was kind of like he was just thinking out loud. Like, it, it seemed like he was being serious. He said like, hold on, wait a second. Let me, let me go use the bathroom. And then he started like walking past me towards the bathroom. And he kind of like had his head down, like he wasn't talking directly to anyone. He was just kind of like saying it out loud. And he said, yeah, like, uh, I've been too scared to go during night because I'm, I'm afraid that I, can't, I keep seeing this man at the end of the hallway wearing stripes. Like normally I could tell when like he was trying to scare me because he's like, oh, he's like got this grin on his face. Like he's, he's loving it. And, but this was just like, it just seemed too real for him. Like he was really terrified by this. Like it really hit him. And yeah, he just walked past me and like, I didn't want to like touch it. I was just like going back into my room. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to sleep. And yeah, that just freaked me out when he said that. Like I, I didn't like say anything to him when he said it. Uh, my mom didn't respond to him. It was just kind of like, he just kind of said it just out of nowhere. He was so sincere when he said it. Normally he was like, he would get into this big elaborate story to tell me and like it was really obvious that he was telling me a ghost story. But this was just kind of like in passing, just like he just seemed really honest about it. I was kind of like stunned by when he said it because I was like, what do you, what do you mean? But he just kind of said like, yeah, like I, I feel like I've been seeing this man at the end of the hallway wearing stripes. Of course, my child brain just goes wild with that idea of this man just standing at the end of the hallway. That thought just never left me. This man just standing at the end of the hallway wearing stripes. I just kind of like imagined this guy, just this like big tall man just just wearing like some kind of suit, like head to toe and stripes in the dark corner of the hallway, not like doing anything, not moving, just standing there like a like statue. Couldn't see his face or anything. You know, this horrifying being. When I was that little, I, I don't think I really had 
that much of an understanding of ghosts. It wasn't like a fear that I always had. This seemed like way more terrifying than any of the other stories that my brother told. Maybe it was because he, he never really told stories about our house. Like it was always people in the woods or our neighbor, or no, like some place that you would go to and some terrifying thing that you might see. His story stuck with me. I had nightmares about it. I'd be in my room just trying to fall asleep, thinking like maybe there's someone out there in the hallway. I don't want to go out in the hallway. I don't, I'll just stay here in my bedroom. When I would get to the top of the stairs, I would just bolt to my room. Like I, I wouldn't dare look down the, the hallways at the doors. We didn't have lights on the other side of the door. Those doors always creeped me out. You're looking at these doors, they're already in like the dark end of the hallway, and you're looking out the window and it's just darkness on the other end. You couldn't see what was on the other side. It was just like this emptiness, this void that you were looking out into. I feel like there was always someone just like looking through the glass and I just didn't like looking at the, the windows at all. Probably 10 years later, when I was just having a conversation with my mom, we were in the car driving somewhere, and the topic of a puppy that we had when I was a kid came up, uh, Max. We had like this little beagle puppy. And we were just telling stories about all the trouble that he would get into. And I remember I was out playing in the front yard as a kid, and my shoes came untied. and. I was sitting in the yard trying to tie my shoes and Max run over and start tearing on my, my shoelaces. And I was like on the verge of tears because I was so frustrated that I couldn't tie my shoes. And my mom had to step in and break us up. And she was like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I remember, I remember that story, yeah. And then she just kind of like blurted out, oh, do you remember that time when I opened the door for the cops and Max ran straight into the kitchen and tore open that big bag of dog food that we had? And that kind of like shocked me whenever she said that. Not because of Max, like I, I knew Max was a troublemaker and it was that detail of the cops. In all my time living in that house, like we never once called the cops. We lived in a pretty quiet neighborhood, so there was just never any need for us to call the cops. So I was like, what do you mean? You, you said, you opened the door for the cops? Why, why were the cops there? What, what was going on? And then she kind of stopped for a second. And like she had that look on her face, surprised look on her face, like, oh man, maybe I was, I was keeping this a secret from you, but I, I think I just let the cat out of the bag. And she kind of stopped there for a second. She said, oh, that's right. I, I never told you this story. You and your brother were too young when this happened. So now I'm really curious what was going on, what is she talking about? She said, yeah, well, a long time ago, when, whenever you were little, I was woken up in the middle of the night from a noise, I heard a noise. A scratching, or like a scraping noise. And it sounded like it was coming from outside. It sounded like it was coming from my window, my bedroom window. And I could also hear like leaves like rustling in the, in the backyard. She said she kind of sat up for a second and just listened for a while. Didn't hear anything. 
By the time she laid back down, she started hearing it again. Our dad was out of town. He was working. It was another night where he was working construction. She thought, oh, maybe it's like deer or something in our backyard because we got deer in our backyard all the time. Without thinking, she said she got up and just walked over to the window. And then when she opened up the, the curtains, she saw a man just standing there, other side of the window. And she said that they both just kind of like stopped there. They're just kind of like surprised that they you know, weren't expecting to see each other. My mom was just kind of like shocked for a second standing on the other end of a window of this man just like looking just dead in the face. She just immediately ran back to her nightstand and turned on the light and got my dad's gun. That was when she heard footsteps running in the backyard. He was running away. She immediately called the cops as soon as she heard this guy running out the backyard. And then the cops arrived and took uh, the uh, description of the guy and uh, so she said, yeah, it was this tall, white male, short, dark hair, blue jeans, and a striped shirt. They immediately asked her, you know, is there, is there someone that can stay with you tonight? I mean, we'll, we'll stay here as, as long as we can, but um, do you have like a, a family member or someone you trust that can stay with you? And they said, well, this, the description that you gave us fits the description of a suspect in a murder case that we're investigating. I always assumed that he was just talking about a ghost and just trying to scare me, but this story of like this man just like in our house, like that it just terrified me. Because it got me thinking like, we always hear about the, the murderers that get caught, but like you never hear about the people that don't get caught, the people that maybe they never acted on it. Maybe, maybe they were too patient. Maybe they were just waiting for their time to strike. They were too careful. We'll never know how close we were to dodging a bullet. This guy was showing up at our house for multiple nights. There's no way he was up to any good. <laughs> Hey, I'm John Street. Have you ever wondered about how the host of your favorite podcast became a podcaster? Well, in my new show, Turned Podcaster, I talk with your favorite hosts to learn more about how they ended up behind the mic. I did feel this sort of imposter syndrome because I'd always identify myself as a filmmaker. Nothing in my background or that I did along the way should have ever led to something like this. Every podcaster has their own story to tell, and this is our chance to hear them. My name is Dennis Cooper. Ben Kiebrick. Neil Strauss. Tony Harris. My name is Payne Lindsay, and I was an amateur filmmaker turned podcaster. Turn Podcaster is a collaboration of Resonate Recordings and Tenderfoot TV. And right now, it's available exclusively through Tenderfoot Plus. Go subscribe to the Tenderfoot Plus channel on Apple Podcasts and hear more from your favorite hosts and discover what turned them into a podcaster. Oh, did you like that one? Hmm. Good. Good. I'm glad that one of us is having fun. Me? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just trying to sit perfectly still. 
Malachi is currently staring at me from underneath the fax machine like I'm some kind of piece of meat. His eyes are especially dead-looking, like a doll's eyes. Oh, God, Malachi, are you salivating? I sure hope that's saliva. Dear listener, I, I think it's best I bid you adieu before things get really weird. Well, weirder. Stay curious out there. Oh, see you next time at Radio Rental. Oh, God, this is going to be a problem. If you should find me dead for some reason, please do not bury me at the nearby cemetery about a mile in the woods out in back of Radio Rental. Let that be my last will and testament. And all the videotapes here are to be left to the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. And tell Payne Lindsay that I love him. Radio Rental is created by Payne Lindsay and brought to you by Tenderfoot TV. Executive producers, Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright. Hosted by Rain Wilson as his character, Terry Carnation. Produced by Payne Lindsay, Mike Rooney, and Meredith Stedman. With additional production by Eric Quintana. Written by Meredith Stedman. Additional writing by Mark Lachlan. Sound design by Cooper Skinner. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Cover art by Trevor Eiler and Rob Sheridan. If you have a radio rental story that you'd like to share, please email us at yourscarystory at gmail.com or contact us via the form on our website, radiorentalusa.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Rental. You can also follow the illustrious Terry Carnation on social media. Just search at Terry Carnation. To hear more from Terry, listen to his podcast, Dark Air. Special thanks to Grace Royer and Oren Rosenbaum at UTA, the Nord Group, Station 16, Beck Media and Marketing, and the team at Cadence 13. On behalf of the Radio Rental Store, we'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget to share our show with a friend of the genre. Thanks for listening.